This morning's reading is taken from the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, and may be found on page 1188 in the Church Bibles. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or, sorry, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep, to him. According to Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Pam. Good morning, everybody. Elton John's famous song says, sorry seems to be the hardest word. You'll be relieved to hear I'm not going to sing it for you. Now, I think he's right. Sorry is an incredibly difficult word. But much as I hate to argue with national treasure Sir Elton, I don't think sorry is the hardest word. On this subject, I favour another singer-songwriter, one who went far too soon, the great Kirsty McCall, who said the hardest word is the word goodbye. Because in the end, goodbye is final. One day, everyone goes away and doesn't come back. And sometimes we're really conscious of this. So my granny lived to the ripe old age of 100, and for about the last 10 years of her life, every time any of us saw her, you knew it might be the last time. So you were always conscious of it. We always left well. My mum, however, lived to the slightly less ripe old age of 72. And the last time I saw her, I was picking up a chest of drawers. I was in and out in 10 minutes. Not sure I even gave her a hug. I didn't know it was the last time I would see her. I certainly didn't have the chance for a proper goodbye. Bereavement is hard because we love other people. And what a shriveled life it is if you don't love anybody else. If you didn't love someone, it wouldn't matter that they weren't around anymore. The great philosopher Winnie the Pooh said this, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye 
so hard. How lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. And yet, for a follower of Jesus, goodbye is not final. And so, as we continue our series thinking about life and death questions, we open up 1 Thessalonians 4, and it'll help me, and I hope it'll help you if you've got that open. That's uh, page 1188 in the Bibles in front of you. Here, Paul offers confidence and hope to a church where clearly a number of people had died. It's very hard and very destabilizing in any community to have a whole string of bereavements. At my last church, uh, I buried about half a dozen parishioners in a period of about nine months, and it was a smaller church than here. I walked in one Sunday morning and realized I'd lost a whole row of my 9 a.m. service. And that was hard for everybody to take. The confidence and hope that Paul offers is grounded on two historical events. The first is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We just sang that. That is foundational to Christians. God in Jesus died with our sins, then was raised to life to show God's victory over sin and death and to bring us back to God. And the second historical event which offers confidence and hope is a future one, the return of Jesus to earth. So verse 16, look down with me. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Paul is really clear. This is a definite future event. It is something you can bank on. Jesus is coming back as our judge. And verse 14, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Right there is your hope for those people who have gone before you. The dead will be resurrected and will stand in front of Jesus along with the living ready to be judged. And so, for the believer in Jesus, this isn't an impenetrable barrier. We will see them again, risen and alongside Jesus. People sometimes have questions around the dead. You know, what's going to happen to those who've been lost at sea or cremated? Well, the end of verse 16 says, the dead in Christ will rise first. So, Regardless of what their state is in death, they will be raised into new resurrection bodies. There's no cause for believers to be anxious about those who have gone before us. What about those who are alive when Jesus returns? What if he comes before Christmas and all those presents you've already got will just disappear? Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Everyone will be treated equally before Jesus. Why can we be sure of this? Because it is Jesus' own promise, verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. Those two historical events are guaranteed 
by the words of Jesus. So then, where does all this leave us when we think about bereavement? Well, it means that Christians have a solid hope of a future. Death is not the end. Those who have trusted in Jesus will return with him. So Christians grieve with hope. Whether or not your loved one had a faith, you can trust that Jesus is alongside you in grief. This is the same Jesus who wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus understands grief because he experienced it himself. It can be very hard to pray or to experience God when you're grieving. When that happened to me, I found it really helpful to just sit with the book of Psalms because about a third of the Psalms are written as laments, calling out to God. God, I don't get this. God, where are you? And when you don't have the words to call out to God, why not use some words someone's given you already? I found that really helpful. You will find when you do that that God is much closer than you think. And it's really important to acknowledge the grief that you feel. I remember the funeral of someone who died really tragically in a car crash, a young dad who left his wife, who was very badly injured, and two young sons. The tone of the funeral, he had a great faith, and the tone of the funeral was remorselessly hopeful, leaning into the deep faith of our friend, but I came out feeling like we hadn't properly acknowledged the real tragedy of the loss. It is okay to sit with God in that really difficult stuff. Some deaths are just simply tragic. We've all come across them. There is no way round it. Many of you will know that my godson Harry committed suicide nearly six years ago at the age of just 14. And it's really important for all of us who loved him to hold on to the hope that we have. But it is also vital that we are real with God, knowing that even though years have passed, the pain of missing him and the sense of the complete futility of his death are not really diminished. I have questions. I cry out to God with stuff that he's not going to answer this side of glory. As Christians, we can hold the hope and the pain together. But one thing to observe about grief is that it does change over time. In the immediate aftermath of a death, it is like an open wound. The first thing you think about when you wake up It consumes an enormous amount of emotional energy. People don't realize that grief is utterly exhausting. You become physically very tired. You are also completely unable to follow any train of thought. But if you grieve well, that open wound becomes a scar. Still painful, but not the first thing you think about in the morning. A healthy journey through grief enables you to invest in a new present which doesn't include that person that you've lost. It's that last, if you know the seven stages of grief, number seven is investing 
in your new reality. The flip side of that is to recognize if you or someone around you is struggling with grief. It's not unusual for the grieving process to be interrupted. I remember early on in my ministry meeting with a woman who was absolutely in pieces about the person she'd lost. It was as though they died, I I would have said three weeks ago maybe. She was just in bits. And it turned out that they had died three years ago. Her grieving process had got really stuck and she needed some help. There can be all sorts of reasons for that. If you've had other life events involving a big change, like another bereavement or a house move or a new baby, all of those can just land on top of grief and prevent it from working its way out in your life healthily. Whatever it is, don't don't come at it with judgment. When you see it in yourself or in somebody else, seek help. We can always refer to professional services which can help people with grief, whether it's grief counselling, something else, something lower key, just someone to talk to. Often people struggle with guilt around death, things they didn't say, unfinished business, the fact that they weren't there when their loved one died. Friends, when it's your time... It's your time. And if I've learned anything about death from 20 years of working with grieving people, that would be it. You meet your maker alone, regardless of who might be in the room with you. Many people, many, many people die suddenly, especially if you have a heart attack or a stroke, two of the leading causes of death. There is no chance for loved ones to get there. In cases of suicide, it's completely natural to feel guilt. I was helped by the brother of a suicide victim at the first funeral I ever helped with. He said that his brother had struggled with depression for more than half his life, and he was too ill to see his life as others saw it. And he made a choice as an adult to end his life rather than to continue suffering. That was his choice alone. It was a choice made with all the circumstances of his life, and no one else could influence it. So no one then should feel any guilt about the choice he made. I found that just so helpful to have it explained so clearly to me. Now, as part of Jesus' church, you are never alone with grief. We are in community. Whatever you're experiencing, there are others around you who have gone through something similar. Many bereaved people have found huge help and encouragement from people who've been or who are on a similar journey to themselves. Many here at St. Mary of Bethany have forged new friendships with those who've journeyed with them. It's just another reason people sort of say, well, I can have faith and just believe on my own and not be a part of a church. But... It's just, it's not a rich way to live, is it? And whether or not you're grieving, you can bless others as part of Jesus' family. You can be the person who's kind, who remembers an anniversary or a birthday, who drops around with food or offers a change of scene on a dismal day. If you don't know how to bless somebody, just ask. 
But whatever you do, don't be too British about it, to just feel awkward and not say anything. That is not friendship when someone's grieving. Friends, Winnie the Pooh was right. You can sort of probably carve that on our tombstones. Saying goodbye to someone you love is hard. But Christians grieve as those who have hope and a future, and not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones too. We have confidence in the resurrection and hope for those who will be raised with Jesus. Christians embrace the pain of grief and don't walk away from tragedy. We bless those who are struggling and suffering. And when there are, when there are no answers, we pray. And that's what we're going to do now. Let's pray together. Just take a moment in the quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to work into your heart the things he's trying to teach you today. Lord Jesus, you went to the cross, you rose again to give us hope and a future. And as those who have that hope, we pray that we will bring light and life to those who are grieving. That when it comes to our time, we will grieve well and that we will bless those around us who are going through hard times. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.